Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Star Sound Speaks, episode 218. Uh, this is Irliana Samsara of Star Sound Astrology, and I'm so, so thrilled because we have back our beloved Ari Moshe Wolf is joining us again. Hello, Ari. Hi. I'm so excited that you're here. If, um, if, you've been if you're new to the channel, um, you might not know that I interviewed um, Ari back in, I believe it was in May, and it was about the upcoming conjunction when Mars, the North Node, and Uranus all lined up, and it was a historic conjunction, and it's an incredible, um, you, you, you still certainly, if you haven't listened to it, go ahead and listen, because um, it, it has implications, of course, that roll out and, and unfold over, over these next few years, so um, yes, for sure. And um, today we are going to be talking about, well, first of all, Ari is an, he's an evolutionary astrologer and his work is based upon the teachings of Jeffrey Wolf Green. But as Ari likes to say, as you like to say, what blended with your own ongoing self-realization. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. And so um, this uh, particular talk, we're going to be talking about the Pluto ingress into Aquarius, which will start on March 12th, I believe it is, next year. Big, big month of March. And um, and then how, because Pluto is a key signature in evolutionary astrology. It's a, it's a, it's a focal point. And so um, as it, as it, you know, the evolution of the soul. And so um, Pluto and Aquarius, and then how it will be squaring the nodes, um, next year. And of course, that's also a huge story in its own right. So we're going to talk about that, um, you know, and, and that'll be like the focus of today. But, you know, I have to say, everybody, um, I, I've been meaning to have you back, um, Ari, for, for a while. And um, I, I, I reached out to you. And I remember um, you said, hey, you know, I've got this new course. And I'm like, oh, cool. So I, I went to the website and I, I could barely read the words. I just got flooded with emotion. I mean, the, the vibe that came, I have a real sensitive way with me. I've spent many, many years doing energy medicine, sound healing and energy medicine. So I'm just, you know, pretty sensitive. But when I read the words on your site, I don't know, I just, it was this flood of, it was such love and care and devotion. I couldn't even read the words. It, it was like, I just, I just said, I, I, I just emailed you. I'm like, I, you, you got to come back. I, you got to talk about this. Um, but I know you're you're offering, um, there's a free webinar coming up and I, I want people to know that uh, they can go to your site, which is arimoshewolf.com. Arimosha.com. Arimoshe. Okay, yeah. great. And I'll have the link below for you guys. Yeah, the free webinar. And you're also doing, I want to say this up front because it's just so vital with next year with Pluto's ingress in Aquarius. My goodness. Um, you have a, um, you're doing your one year training program, right? Heart and Soul Centered Astrology. Yes. Um, one year training program. And um, if if you could just tell us a little bit about what, what that looks like, because I, I think it's important that we, we know about this. Yeah, thank you. Um, thanks for the opportunity. So <clears throat> the the training program, it's rooted in the evolutionary astrology teachings of Jeffrey Wolf Green. It's really for anyone that wants to learn astrology from a soul perspective, and it's from the ground up. So whether you are already practiced in astrology or totally new, to it, um, it works for both because it's really just starting from the very basics. And the way that I teach and the whole orientation is just looking at uh, astrology and the needle chart at the core as a map that helps us understand our unique path of awakening. Mm -hmm. So that's how I think of this lifetime. That's how I think of every single soul, that the circumstances of our life, the total reality of the human experience that we have is perfectly relevant to our own evolutionary needs. Everything is reflecting back to us um, where there is in this present moment, the next step in our own evolutionary growth. And it's one of those things where I, I call it a heart and soul centered astrology training because it's not just soul work, it is soul work, right? We're, we're, we're looking at the soul's reality, which is a profound and beautiful thing to do, to go underneath the surface of the appearances mm -hmm. of, of the human dramas and stories and personalities <laughs> and things that we seem to be so identified with. <laughs> but it's heart and soul because um, for me um, and how I teach us to be looking at the soul reality and really having this view that our life, each of our personal life experiences um, 
there's a there's a quality of sacred and meaningfulness and and holiness and perfection to it. And I think there's a there's a lens of compassion and care and validation that comes with that perspective mm. um, that says you are here, you are meant to be here. This is meaningful. There is healing here. And I, that's how I teach it. That's how I really look at astrology that um, I want individuals to recognize that the totality of our life experience at the core, it's often difficult. And we'll talk about next year and Pluto. Evolution isn't necessarily an easy experience. Um, we can all acknowledge that. Yeah, especially but, in the last few years, right? Right. And just really just, just being here. Um, but to have the experience of meeting with another person, um, who might be looking at you as a soul, whether they're looking at a chart or they're just working with whatever modality or skill, um, for them to validate and really see everything in your life from a soul perspective, there's an immense amount of healing and beauty um, in that. So mm -hmm. this is all about healing. And you know, those who are drawn to become astrologers or just want to learn this for their own ongoing soul growth, um, it's it's valuable on that level as well. Mm, lovely. So, um, this is a whole year training program. You can do just the first half of the year, which is the, the basic evolutionary meaning of the planets, signs, houses, very basic. And then the second half of the year is bringing it all together with aspects, nodes, interpretive technique. So a lot of people do the full year training program, um, but a good handful of people just elect to do the first half of the year. Um, yeah, so as you said, you can learn more about that on my website. And I just want to say you've agreed to be an affiliate. So if you if you yes. want to enroll, um, we have an affiliate code. What was it? What was the code that we uh, oh, that we created? Oh, oh we star, did. star sound 50. Right. Star okay. sound 50. <laughs> so you get a discount and you also support this channel as well. Um, so, so people the, signing the up to get it. a discount on tuition. Yay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and feel free to reach out if you have any more questions or want to talk about it. Um, the, the program begins in January, uh, January 15th that week. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. January 15th. We're heading into <laughs> quite an exciting year. Um, wow. I'm so glad you are piloting that. You know, I have to say that, um, man, yeah, everything. There's a beauty. I love the how you always weave beauty in, and it's just so amazing. Um, and 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 it's hard when we look around us in in the politics and the world at large today to see you know seeing through these things. Like just before I got on the podcast, I was reading about this um, this young man. He's 24 years old. His name is Nick Fuentes, and I've never I'm not familiar with him. But he had dinner with Donald Donald Trump, and the New York Times wrote an article saying what kind of a you know holocaust denier um women should be slapped shouldn't have the right to vote i mean blacks women Ju the jewish community it's just horrendous like he said he compares himself to hitler i mean this is a, not only is somebody saying this this is a young person and it was very disturbing to read and yet when i hear you, you give me hope ari you know because i see these things and i read about these things and then but i also know that th that is also part of this awakening is this 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 stuff has to come up this is the the i'd like you to, to maybe talk a little bit about that because it was so disturbing but i know that it's we can't say well this shouldn't be and we have to get rid of this it's like eckhart tolle talks about how you know it's it's the you know, the, the collective insanity is presencing itself but that's part of the evolution too so if you could just, you know, speak to that a little bit before we get into the Pluto. Or, sure. Or well, and maybe this right can now. be our segue into the Pluto material. Um, yeah. You know, Pluto, Pluto is no joy ride. <laughs> not, not necessarily. Yeah. Usually the, yeah, the, the yeah. essence of Pluto speaks of an evolutionary process and evolutionarily corresponds to on the deepest level, what we are seeking, what is it we're identified with for our own basic security and wholeness? So we're all forming object attachment, okay? We, mm -hmm. we say, oh, this is what I'm, we, and we look around all the human beings in this world and we each have our own identity construct, our own, our own sense of who we are and what we need and what's important. And we're all going to need to defend that on some level. And the evolutionary journey, the way that Jeff Green describes evolution, it's a gradual elimination, exhaustion of all desires until the only remaining desire 
is a desire to reunite with the source. And it's mm. a process. You can't just like skip over desires. So for every single person, there's some sense of, okay, you know, I want to, we, we come into this world and we have this desire for fame and power. So we're going to build an identity construct that will allow us to resonate with that experience. That's going to feed something in us, right? But then that's also going to go at some point. Like everything that feeds us, that provides some sense of satisfaction, it'll come for a while, we'll grow, we'll learn. It could be a relationship. I really want to be with this person or I really want to have this kind of experience, right? There's something in, in, in playing it out. It feeds us. We, we, we get something from that. We osmose it into our consciousness. That's really what's happening. And then ideally we let go. Um, and we don't even necessarily have to have an experience with something outside. Every single desire needs to be met. That's the point with Pluto. Like every single dynamic within our own consciousness has to be revealed and met. It doesn't mean we need to play it out because we can have all kinds of desires for fame, power, admiration, wealth, sex, whatever. And if we're playing out every single um, desire for giving all of these things some kind of action, it could be an endless process of just generating more action, more consequence, more entanglement, more messiness. Mm -hmm. So one way or another, though, we have to be completely honest and completely meet um, whatever's inside of us. And until, until we meet it, it's just kind of there in us, right? It's like a shadow that is just, we're carrying it around and it's going to leak out. Right. It's, it's going to dominate our own consciousness. Like the, the elements within us that aren't integrated, that aren't met, honestly, is unconscious. It's going to be dominating our waking state without us realizing it. So like the basic Pluto work, and we'll, we'll jump into Aquarius in a moment, but I'm just called to share this perspective. Sure. The basic Pluto work is meeting our shadow, meeting our desires. And there are two basic modalities for how to be in relationship to that. Either we're honest with ourselves, and we can make conscious choices, right? Whether that's playing something out or it's saying, okay, well, here's something in myself that needs to be d dealt with. Right? I need to integrate this. It's not a, a negative thing, right? I'm going to consciously learn how to manifest this experience or um, there's an addiction and it's feeding something, but I don't really know what's underneath that addiction. So I'm going to consciously attract or resonate with a spiritual modality or a practice or a teacher, um, or I'm going to research something to help me become more psychologically aware of what's really going on, right? Mm -hmm. One way or another, we have to meet the content inside. Um, mantra, um, mandalas, um, particular relationships, um, learning how to focus our attention towards whatever we need to do to evolve. I'm going to focus on earning more money right? Or I'm obsessed with money. I'm going to focus on getting to the core of my addiction. Why am I addicted? Like we can go in all kinds of directions. None of them are right or wrong, but one way or another, there is a way of becoming consciously empowered to take responsibility for our own growth and choosing where we're directing our attention. In a sense, that's one of the only things we have true agency over, um, which, which is funny because we don't have agency over it if we don't know that we don't. It's sort of the, this right. mysterious piece of truth, right. but we have, to, we have to really want to know it. That's what I find. Mm -hmm. um, the other modality is to become totally identified with that craving state. It's, it's always gonna be craving or aversion. Those are always going to be two equal sides. And we form an identity structure around it. And that's going to lead to a, an increasing state of victimization, right? I want, let's say, I want to be famous and powerful or important. And if I'm addicted to that and I'm not making conscious choices to integrate that and then move on, it's going to become a point of fixation. It becomes a point of addiction. And then anything in life that's keeping me from that object focus is going to be a threat to what I've determined as necessary for my own growth. So I'm not acknowledging my own evolutionary growth as within myself, within my capacity to make changes, because everything comes and goes. Everything's impermanent. So anytime any person, place, experience, whatever, becomes an absolute need, we're no longer empowered. And we have to maintain some level of control and manipulation in order to maintain um, 
whatever it is we're seeking outside of ourselves. When we understand that we can't control reality, we'll learn how to make empowered, conscious choices in our life to meet the part of ourself that's not resolved, but we won't need to be in, in control, right? When things don't work out, we'll come back to a new choice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there are times in, in our life for all of us, and then there are souls that are sort of more, sort of more chronically um, invested in this way, where we get stuck in a sort of victimization consciousness, which says the outer world is what's preventing me or keeping me from what I otherwise recognize as necessary for my fulfillment. Mm. And so, you know, I had this beautiful conversation and I call it beautiful, even though the content was a little bit dark. Um, beautiful man, a very caring individual. Um, is one of the one of those people that will just, he'll, he'll take care of anyone in the community, right? Um, as it ends up, he has these incredibly very, very strong, um, what would I, the racist views, it is. And um, a lot of fear and anger, just a, a particular perspective on life that was, that's very surprising. It doesn't seem to match mm-hmm. his open heartedness, you know? And um, I won't go into all the views, but it just, it's, it's obviously not how I look at reality, not how I think of other people. And you just probe. And at a certain point, there was, I was hurt. Mm. And I've determined the, the cause of my suffering as being predominantly outside of myself. These people did this to me. So there's a sort of jadedness and distrust. And there are many ways in which we can work. I mean, we can work with that jadedness and distrust and just say, I'm not going to open up to love and intimacy. You hurt me, or these people are bad. These people are evil. These people are untrustworthy. Or, you know, um, my, for example, look at Nazi Germany. What, what Hitler did to the masses of people, where they were able to create a, an avenue, an escape avenue to direct the, the cause of their own suffering their own disparity on a particular group of people or various groups of people. And that was a way of deflecting total responsibility for their own reality onto other people. Now you, you, you connect that with a particular psycholo- psychology of unresolved desire. I have the need to be important. I have the need to be powerful. And I've had experiences where I feel victimized and I feel small. Well, if I can direct blame and cause for my smallness onto someone else, and make them the problem, that then creates a very, very easy avenue for me to return to a state of empowerment. And I mean, there's, there, there are 10,000 ways in which humans can do that. Mm-hmm. In the example you gave, a soul that's identified with these forces of absolute manipulation and darkness and false mm-hmm. forms of power and control, it's one way in which, and I don't know this individual you're talking about, but it's one way in which this soul and many have worked with their need for power and control. And it's just really a choice. And one of the core dynamics of Pluto is cooperation or resistance. Cooperation says I'm fully responsible for my reality and I'm responsible for my own evolution. Resistance says, um, in a sense, I'm not responsible for it. Yeah, like I'm gonna hold on to what makes me secure. Yeah, and it it requires, what's that? Oh, I'm sorry. It just, it maintains, it requires a persistent state of victimization. Um, right, the right. More, That's what the he was saying. We don't, genos- mm-hmm. He said the white people are getting genocided. Always. You know, yeah. and so this, we have to stop this, you know. Things, now, here's how we can work than... with that in a healthy way. We're not different than that. We can identify with that element of victimization. Have any of us ever had a relationship where we're pointing to another person and saying, if they would just act differently, Right. Right. Or there, I did this and they treated me this way. It's right. no different. Meaning, obviously, we're working with a sociopathic psychology and it, that's very different than any typical person that deals with these struggles. But the elements are very similar. And if we can recognize within ourselves mm-hmm. the very places where we lose our power. And I think this is one of the deepest um tricks in in pluto work 
doing this evolutionary work mm -hmm. is to be determined from within ourselves to not allow our minds fall into a seat of victimization. Mm. And this means to take that level of responsibility for ourselves means really minding our thoughts. Really means minding my own perception corresponds to Pluto because perception is born from desire. This whole human life is a function of desire. We come into this life and the circumstances of our life experience because we're desiring to have a certain kind of experience. We're wanting to play something out. We're wanting to find more of ourselves, and that's what Pluto is all about. And so we're not seeing the world in the same way because we all have different reasons for being in this world. We have a different soul program, different desire dynamics, right? So perceptions born from desire and thus our perception points back to, well, what is it I'm wanting that's determining the way that I'm perceiving this experience in the first place? There's no objective perception. What we perceive is more of a mirror than it is a fact. And I believe that to be very real, very true. And in my own experience, as I continue to meet my own content, do my own work, I only find that to be a very deep, um, ever unfolding truth. Mm, right? This yeah. has to be something we find that we find for ourselves, right? We, we can't, we can't just intellectually apply that idea. But as I get curious about my perceptions serve that which I'm wanting to see, as opposed to my perceptions are some sort of objective reality. It brings me to a greater curiosity of how does it make me feel? Right? Is, uh, is my story of what I'm kicker. seeing truly serving my mm. own evolution? Or is it in some subtle way keeping me disempowered because I'm believing that something on the outside is the determinant for my own power? Mm. And yeah. it's very tricky. It's very tempting when we're going through hard times. So all kinds of addictive patterns. So you hear the words that I would use. Obsession compulsion, addiction, um, getting stuck in a loop of negative perception, mm. <laughs> um, class not being yeah. able to let go of the past, an mm. obsessive focus on getting something to work out or trying to get a particular result. Mm. This can lead to any kind of obsessive thought or behavior dynamic that loops over and over and over and over again. We all know the thousands of ways this can happen. When we're working through evolutionary experiences in our life and evolutionary, uh, Jeff Green spoke about Pluto transits in important Pluto times as being an evolutionary transition. 2023 is an evolutionary transition. We'll go there soon. When we're in these periods where we are to look, um, where we are to strengthen ourselves and practice really is at those very tendencies to get stuck in these addictive compulsive ways of thinking and behaving. Mm. And what it's pointing to is the very edge of our own evolutionary growth. It's like beyond that threshold is where we have, we have not yet been. There's a level of self realization and self knowledge beyond the threshold of these loops and these patterns to get to that threshold means fundamentally, there has to be a desire to evolve and that desire to evolve is the bottom line. That desire to evolve becomes a point of concentration that generates, it's generated from within our soul, within our own essential being. Mm. That desire to evolve says, okay, I'm acknowledging that in this present moment, I have a choice between two options. And we, we know that if any, if any one of us have ever made a decision or ever made a commitment, uh, for example, last week, I made a commitment to do a very simple cleanse. The, the, the cleanse was um, eat my first meal when I'm hungry, only eat another meal, no snacking in between, no food after my last meal, and no sugar. Very simple, actually. Like I'm eating food, just no sugar and no snacking, and only eat when you're hungry. It, it, but that alone brought me so, I had so much more energy. It felt so, but, but to not, snack in particular at night, right? That's like the hard one for most of us, um, really meant getting sort of present and quiet for what I'm feeling. Yeah. You and without really that, without that, that choice, it's just so easy to move with those compulsive behaviors and not really realize 
what are we running away from? What are the patterns and the dynamics within ourselves that we're not willing to face? I think it's very easy to create a normalized reality where we're not really facing ourselves. We have to want to. And I think sometimes the, the, the temperature rises in our life and we realize, whew, if I don't really make the choice to, to look inside and evolve, um, I won't. And when things get hard, sometimes that the, the gift of, of challenging transits are it sometimes becomes a motive to really get serious with this human life. Yeah. To really get serious about the opportunity that we have to evolve and grow. And it might feel really messy and hard and difficult, and right? But actually, it, it might motivate us in a way that we maybe otherwise wouldn't feel like we need to. That's how it is. Health crisis inspires greater thoughtfulness around what am I really doing with my food, right? Relationship crisis really brings greater awareness of what am I doing? Why am I making these choices? So that's the gift in these evolutionary transitions. Yeah, and but it still requires that choice to say, I'm going to do the work. Right. It requires that choice that you're going to do the work because you see that, like, usually it's precipitated by suffering. Yeah. And there, it is. and it's pain. And it's like, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. And, and you, when we're in touch with what's available, that has to be, you know, more um, alluring, I guess, if, for lack of a better word in this moment than what we have what, that, that that when you talked earlier about the loop that that constant that pluto thing of this constant loop that doesn't you know go anywhere in this obsessive compulsive loop and it's like but we also get at some point we get present to that suffering of what that provides and it's like yeah. no but people don't change until really what what's of when they can finally see that there's another way that something else that's available and they're willing to give and take responsibility and give up that that painful loop because that painful it's costing them something when they get in touch with what it's yeah. really costing them yeah and there's something incredibly humbling around recognizing hmm well eventually this body is going to fall away and and we just really get more in touch with the impermanence of this life and the impermanence of everything um, <clears throat> the more we touch base with that, the more we realize um, this is a, an opportunity to do the best that we can. Um, and everything that we're attached to is going to fall away at some point too, you know, like yeah. the money, the, the relationship, the body, the, the looks, like everything that we, that we are identified with will fail us at some point. Um, but we can actually find a sort of balanced gratitude and appreciation for what we have when we recognize everything is a blessing and to be in right relate, to use it for in a good way, to use it to support ourselves and one another, to grow, to heal, to return to love, to, mm -hmm. you know, to, to make something beautiful and healing and useful. There's a teaching in the Course in Miracles that I love, which is I am here to be truly helpful. When our, when our focus is on that, it's like we can feel more rested in our life and also not be as concerned with the impermanence, with the coming and the going of all things. I love that. You know, what happens with Aquarius? Aquarius corresponds to and it, some of the things that we spoke about. I think for the first half of the Uranus North Node video may, may, might address this because Uranus rules Aquarius. <clears throat> Aquarius corresponds to two dimensions, the individuality of the soul and the individuality of creation itself. Prior to our story and our thinking of it, you can say that there's an intelligence to life. That intelligence is impersonal. It exists um, prior to our comprehension of it. We can say that this intelligence exists as an archetype right. or a series of archetypes. Um, we are going to map these archetypes according to our limited perception and understanding of the wholeness of reality. Um, and as our intelligence grows, we may be able to apprehend a greater scope of the archetypal nature of intelligence. But there is an intelligence to creation. An example of that, just to give one of many, we have things like geometry or sacred geometry, where we can look at certain geometry and patterns and number sequences that exist universally throughout, not just the human body, not just the earth, but the universe. Right. We'll see it in astronomical patterns. We'll see it in the planets themselves. We'll see it in 
stars, we'll see it in flowers, we'll see it in shells, we'll see it in the, the proportions of the human body, right? Right. There's a certain mathematics that's universal, that's impersonal. We can also see this in a more psycho-spiritual way. We can have a dream and see number sequences or animal totems or um, symbols, and they have a universal meaning, right? If you dream about your father, it may not be your father. It's an archetype. It has a universal symbology. Sure. Just like you can pull a tarot card and there are a bunch of symbols on that card, which represents archetypal dynamics that exist. Now, these archetypal dynamics, we can think of them as sort of fractal. The entirety of the universe uh, expresses these universal laws or these universal intelligences. Yes. And it exists inside as well as outside. And so one thing that Aquarius represents is that the entire universe is also within. We can look within and find the same patterns and dynamics and we can look without and we can find them. That's why astrology is not causative of anything. Like people say, you know, the, what's the influence of Mercury retrograde? There's no influence, zero. There's no causality here. It's reflective of the one reality. So astrology is one way of looking out at the stars and in a sense mapping the universal objective archetypal unfolding of reality what's happening within it's simultaneous it's not yeah. outsider as within so without as above so below right so that's what's represented on a, a basic level of understanding aquarius when we look at human consciousness we're going to find groups of people souls manifesting as humans resonating with each other and they're all going to share a certain level of intelligence when I speak about a level of intelligence, there's a, there's a shared understanding that all souls are at different levels of self-realization, right? So we're going to find groups of souls that are going to share a certain outlook or an understanding of reality that will resonate. And that outlook of reality might be a more ethnocentric, me and my people. Um, I'm seeing the world through the lens of a particular uh, cultural or ethnic perspective. And my mythology, my perspective of life is going to fit into that. And I won't be able to apprehend a more universal worldview that encompasses other cultures and perspectives or religions or spiritual perspectives. I'm just not there. It's not going to happen. And it wouldn't be relevant for me. I'm not going to apprehend that level of reality. Um, so souls at that level of consciousness are naturally going to resonate with other people at that level of consciousness and most likely they will resonate with people of a similar culture or a similar religion. Right? That's just one example from an Aquarian point of view. We're going to form groups of people that are going to share a particular level of intelligence and apprehension of reality. We'll have groups of people that share more of a spiritual and universal understanding of reality that will then resonate with souls and be able to share a sort of community and understanding with other souls that share that as well. And these souls are more global or cosmic centric. And they will also be able to understand and resonate with souls that are at different levels of intelligence. Um, because that level of consciousness is inclusive. It, it, it's not excluding others, right? So that's just another example of, so I could have a conversation with you about astrology and these kinds of things because we can resonate. And so in a natural way, and this isn't like an exclusive treehouse club. You're special. I'm special. You're not. It's just in a natural way, we can resonate with one another and be a part of community in the sense that we can both understand and speak to and re relate to and even use a language of astrology. It's a combination of level of intelligence in terms of apprehension reality and also natural interest and affinity. Right. Um, there are people that are going to share a more spiritual level of understanding, but they're not going to be speaking an astrology lens. They're going to be resonating with other communities and groups of people, right? Mm -hmm. You have all different kinds of cultures and subcultures, political groups, spiritual groups, astrology, um, non-dual groups, whatever. It's like everyone in on every level of thinking, we all form circles and groups of other people. None of us are in, in our entirety defined or identified by any of these groups, yet we will all resonate and create naturally these communities. And the people mm -hmm. that follow your channel, there's a natural affinity and community that's created on its own. It just is. 
um, those that share particular political outlooks or views are going to resonate with each other, and it's a natural affinity. They're going to find a sense of belonging on some level by joining that political group that resonates with them. Yet simultaneously, we're all our own essential soul individual, and our nature cannot ever be defined by any particular group or community. Mm, that's the polarity so, point being Leo. I guess you can say that in, in the sense that we also we also have to be focused on our own self-realization. I am unique and my own nature cannot conform in its entirety to anything outside of myself. Right. A lot of people will do that. I am entirely identified with my social, political or religious group. But there comes a point where something about you or something about someone else won't fit into that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, and that's just innate because the intelligence of life is far more holistic than anything we can put into a box. So the, the Aquarian impulse is always pushing us to liberate from the known and arrive at our essential nature. And as we do that, we're always going to find ourselves resonating with people and groups at the level of intelligence or at the stage of liberation that we're working with. And we go through that. Like we might have the experience of like, okay, you know, I'm really identified. I, I saw on Facebook, a friend of mine was sort of, she identifies herself as being a previously new age spiritual coach. And <clears throat> perhaps in, in her world or in her mind, that, that that's a particular outlook, right? Being a, a spiritual coach might mean you're resonating with a particular community of people that share a sort of like self-empowerment, trust yourself, go get them kind of attitude. That coaching model that's going to encourage people to, you know, build their business, build their practice, you know, it's a particular, and you'll go on retreats. You'll, and then there comes a point where maybe at some point, this individual, and I don't know her story, she got turned on to Jesus, but in a sort of like more, it doesn't feel like religion, Jesus, but like definitely Jesus. Um, like, I, I'm no longer interested in affirming the importance of our own personal will. I'm interested in prayer now, and which is cool. I'm not judging any of this. I'm just pointing out that process for her led from, okay, I no longer feel as identified with this group. I've met new people that, that are into prayer and actually focusing on, this is not about going and getting it according to my own individual importance. This is more about trusting divine Right. Like some sort of divine guidance, right. right? And we all have these experiences. And, and as we do that, the people that we resonated with in the lifestyles, it just seems less relevant. And there's something else that opens up. We're not always letting go. It might just be opening up and expanding and redefining in some way. Or there might be like, oh, it just, we, we don't resonate as much. Law of attraction, it just doesn't come to us anymore. You'll see so, that in 2023, you feel that, how would this, how do you think this so, is going to play out? So what, what, what this means for 2023, because as Pluto's moving in and out of Aquarius, and let's be clear, it's doing this um, for basically till the end of 2024. <clears throat> so it's going yeah. to go back into Capricorn twice. Standing There's at that threshold. <laughs> it is. There's an evolutionary push for us to look at where, where, where we are suppressing our own individuality um, because we want to fit in. We're afraid of the consequences of that. So what's a lot of the trauma that happens as we evolve? Well, I'm different. I feel differently. I have a new thought or a new idea or a new desire. I'm going to be excluded. My old friends won't like me anymore. Um, or you're different. I'm going to persecute you because I'm actually threatened by that. I need to maintain the status quo. We're called to break our status quo. And that can be very terrifying. And there are two things that I want to highlight for Pluto moving into Aquarius during this time. And there are many nuances to this transit there. Are, this can be a second talk of looking at more of the specific transits because there's a lot to speak to, but just in a mm. very broad way. We'll come Pluto back and we'll do that. We'll do a part I'm two. I'm happy that. to. Yeah, we'll break it. Pluto down. moving into Aquarius speaks to two general dynamics. One, there is the, the, the evolution, because Pluto is about desire and evolution. And Aquarius is about liberation from the known and an ongoing process of freeing ourselves from all conditioning. 
right? So we're, we're, we're raising our vibration to a higher level of consciousness that resonates more with the intelligence of life itself, our own essential nature. We're going to be meeting all of the very places where we're stuck or addicted and tangled. And in a sense, where we don't know our own power to free ourselves up and liberate and know our own freedom. Wow. The very places where we feel entrapped or stuck and thus where there's paranoia, fear, um, a sense of, I don't want to make changes. I'm afraid of the unknown. There's the dynamic of suppression that results. That suppression is I'm going to suppress this impulse for liberation because this is scary. I don't want to shake things up. Right. The shaking things up here is literally everything that I've identified as essentially secure. It, it, there's a threat that that's going to fall away, right? I, I'm, I'm, I'm faced with the possibility of losing that security and the rejection, the excommunication, the losing all the structures that are familiar to me, okay? So that suppression then results in a lot of dis-ease, right? And that suppression can result in almost like if you're going to take, hold one end of it, it being whatever, life, <laughs> It's going to burst on the other end, right? If you're right. not opening it up here, it's going to yeah. put the, it's the, the pressure is going to go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Has to go so somewhere. That, that can lead to a lot of sudden shocks and surprises in some way. That's why Aquarius corresponds to that. Essentially, this energy needs to go out. It's like, yeah, it'll find a way. It has to find a way. And so, and that can be incredibly traumatic and stressful. Yes. It cannot or be. Or we can yeah. find it happening within not ourselves, sudden blowouts, right? Right. Um, in the world, we can find a lot of that happening. A lot of these core dynamics where that which is suppressed. Now we'll find groups of people, Aquarius, that resonate with a sort of more liberated consciousness saying enough with the status quo. We have been seeing this for a while, but it's really growing right now all over the world where more um, repressive um, regimes, patriarchal constructs are really trying to keep individuality and liberation at bay. More and more that's going to open up. Politically, however, any situation, socially, politically, where a soul is being told to be accepted, you need to conform to this way of being, right? I see a lot of people who were Democratic now becoming, who are Democrats now going Republican. A lot of people that were Republican becoming Democrat. And I see a lot of people are like, well, I don't identify, you know, I, I identify with the, the more social justice environmental elements, but I don't in, identify with some of the governmental control elements. And it's like the, the lines are being blurred. Yes. Right? Like a lot of the Bernie Sanders supporters and the Trump supporters, it, the lines have always been very blurred, even though we can look at it from a certain angle and say these are very different perspectives or very different levels of consciousness. Right? I can say in my perspective, Bernie Sanders' consciousness reflects more of a universal we caring for all, whereas Trump on his level of consciousness is more of an egocentric me and mine, I care about me level of thinking. But because of what's suppressed, we can't judge this. Right. We can't judge where we are each called to say, I want to try this. I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to identify with this because perhaps there are elements in these different ways of exploring that are allowing us to access that which has been suppressed within our own individuality. Yes. What's important to recognize is it's fluid and there's an ongoing process of liberation. Really, Pluto mm -hmm. and Aquarius says, I am not this, I am not this, I am not this, I am my soul. And you can't define the soul. You can't um, possess the soul. Everything comes and goes. And my community, my belonging, the groups, everything is basically not descriptive of who I am. It's just another experience I'm having to awaken to more of what I am. But we have to really hold it loosely and not become too possessive. Mm, because okay. then, then that becomes another, yeah. So where we have people defending and, and right, that's to be, to be sort of relaxed in the process. Now, the other dynamic that I want to speak to that's very important is a shit ton of psychological content and dynamics might be emerging through our consciousness that pertains to suppressed content from the past. Yeah. Because Aquarius corresponds to, it's a very interesting archetype. Um, <laughs> it, it corresponds to not just the individuality of the soul, it corresponds to the totality of the soul experience from this lifetime wow. and past lives that is suppressed, but as informed and shaped 
the our own ongoing evolutionary experience. Mm -hmm. So for example, we don't have a conscious memory of that lifetime where we were in the monastery and everyone was killed because we were being persecuted for our religious beliefs. Just to give an example, right? Yet that has an imprint upon our consciousness. Everything's relevant. This is not a meaning that happens because it's all a part of the soldier and it's a part of the evolutionary process, right? But these things happen and it imprints our consciousness. Now we're in this lifetime and we're afraid to speak out about our spiritual views. We're terrified when we see people thinking things that are different than ourselves, we're terrified to be different. It's not rational. We don't know why. And it could be in this lifetime, little things happen that sort of reflect and bring up these larger ancient traumas. Right. 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 We once said something and someone says, oh, no, that's stupid. You're wrong. And it brings up the terror of like, oh, my God, I'm going to be outcast. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be persecuted. No one's going to like me. I'm always going to be an outsider. Maybe in that last lifetime, we saw everyone being killed. We're alone and we had a survival crisis. Right. Now we're going to feel like I need to like withdraw and retreat and not really reveal myself. I mean, we could have had lifetimes where we were consumed with addictions, right? And we have the, the, the soul memory. It's in our individuated unconscious, the Jungian term. This is something that Jeff Green beautifully borrowed from Jung. Aquarius, Uranus corresponds to the individuated unconscious. We're not consciously thinking of it. Right. But it's in our soul field. Right? We could have had addictions where we got lost in particular objects of desire, object focuses, right? What happens is, let's say you were, you know, addicted to money, addicted to power and wealth, right? And like did things that were unethical just, just to have more money, just, right? Pluto moves into Aquarius and all of this content wants to purge, wants to be released, wants to be liberated, Right? our addictive compulsive dynamics relative to Aquarius are going to bring us to a head where it's going to bring us to um, sort of like a wall where we can't evolve, we can't grow without really facing all of this. So we might have dreams or symbols or dynamics manifesting in our life experience that bring up a lot of fear. Yeah. We might be afraid of losing everything, right? We might have a dream where a house burns down. Um, or have experiences where, um, you know, suddenly someone's calling us and threatening to take all of our money. If we can see all of these things as archetypal symbols, it comes back into what is the element within my own consciousness that I'm purging and purifying? I think this is a very important point that I would want to really um, encourage everyone to take in. We mm -hmm. can think of the elements that are arising in our consciousness, recognize them as impersonal symbols. Not everything needs to be acted upon. Not everything needs to become a story. I once had a dream where actually I was, um, I, I put all of my possessions out on the street and I forgot about it. And then I came back and they were gone. And then in that dream, one of my teachers said, where do you believe in the possibility of loss? Or where do you believe in the idea of loss? And I found that so helpful because that brought me straight to the heart of it. It's not that I'm going to lose something. It's not that I have to worry about, am I going to lose? It's more about how is that reflecting within me, within my own consciousness, that there is a, an investment in the idea of loss. In fact, that there's an investment in the idea of gain and loss. Where we're invested in gain and loss is where That's we're going to be deep. very vulnerable. Yeah, it's very deep takes us right to the heart of our soul. Really deep. takes us right to the heart of truth. <laughs> yeah. And most of us are invested perpetually in, well, I don't want to lose this person. I don't want to lose this money. Or I need more. I need to figure it out. And we become, we become fearful and anxious. And we don't look at our core belief. Like, where are we essentially holding on to a story? Um. And all of our stories, again, reflect our desires. We perceive the world according to what it is we're wanting, what we're playing out. So if we're attached to power through wealth, we're going to have a lot of stories that resonate with gain and loss around, I don't have what I need, or I need more, or I'm afraid of losing what I have. Our whole world and all of our stories are going to constellate around control. And then these dream symbols will come up in our life in one form or another, in our waking life, in our dream life. It's the same thing.
Yeah, Aquarius, yeah. it's the same thing. They're all symbols. They're all archetypes. And if we can objectify it and look at what's liberating within us, that's the key. There can be a lot of evolutionary challenges happening in the world. And I think one of the deepest teachings um, and prayers and blessings that I would want to offer for myself and for all of us during this evolutionary transition is to focus on our own evolution. Um, who we are, what is really being healed and purged from our own consciousness and arriving at our essential wholeness through all of these processes. That's Beautiful. a way of, of not getting like most souls on this planet are going to feel themselves drawn one way or another, especially with all the political social dynamics emerging and our own personal lives. It can feel very easy to feel fear and to feel victimization. So I think there's a great opportunity to accelerate our own evolutionary work by really understanding everything's reflecting what is wanting to be freed up and liberated on the inside. And not, not to be afraid to go there, but meet it, go lean into that. And that's going to bring us through that portal. Wow. Yes. Yes. You know, I, I was going to say, um, I think, um, I know this has been a longer session than I wanted, <laughs> but I, I love when you go on a roll. It's so amazing. I just, I just can't interrupt. <laughs> I just love it. It's, it's, it's so deep and it's so important. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe what we want to do is, um, because I wanted to ask you about Jeffrey, some of the things that Jeffrey wrote relative to what you're saying, but let's do a part two. Let's meet again. Yeah. And, and in the nodes, we didn't get a chance to do that on this podcast, but to talk about where it, Pluto's ingress next year is going to be squaring the nodes. And so mm -hmm. that's, uh, and what that entails, what, what you see about that or what, how you feel about that. So I, I would like, because I think it, this deserves a deeper exploration, especially Definitely. with nodes. So um, would you be up for that doing another? Absolutely. Yeah. And since it's going to happen later in the year, it'll be, we can revisit it. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. A book that I would recommend though, um, by Jeffrey Wolf Green is Uranus, Freedom from the Known. It'll just be really helpful. Freedom for from the what? From the Freedom known? from the Known. Yeah. Oh, okay. And the helpful book I have. Connecting. Is the book I have yeah. is this one, Pluto, Evolutionary yeah. Journey of the Soul. And you can read the Pluto and Aquarius section, which can be a very helpful area to read. Yeah, it's um, awesome. We're also doing a Pluto and Aquarius class. I'm a part of the Jeffrey Wolf Green Association of Evolutionary Astrologers. It's a year-long series of Pluto classes. Maybe I'll give you a link to that okay. in the description because it's um it's it's a class that we're going to be teaching with a with an additional like discussion mentorship group on Pluto and Aquarius um, in a nice. little bit. So yeah, there's awesome. gonna be a lot, a lot of teachings and content around. This is one of the like, this is like one of the core transits of this decade for sure. Oh gosh, yeah. With Pluto. Yeah. 20 can I just, years. Close, with, 20 can I just years. close with one thought that I think was there? I don't remember what it was, but I wanna find what it was. It, it feels helpful. I just wanna tune in for a moment. Sure, yeah. This is something I'm working with a lot, and it just feels helpful to articulate this. And um, sure, in what we are, um, where where the where the unknown is, and there's a lot. I think right now we can acknowledge there's a lot of unknown. That's just the energy of the times right now. It feels like everything is changing. The temptation would be either to project some kind of doomsday scenario or to just like dig a ditch for that doomsday scenario because it's like, it's all crumbling. I'm giving up. The, this the sensation of fear and, and dread almost of both socially, collectively in our personal life, like all of these things can, be, can feel very alive and this, the, the teaching that I'm working with that I really just want to articulate is <clears throat> the result of all of this evolutionary work is good, is healing. Awakening is always a really, really positive thing. And I think all of the teachers throughout all of time have kind of said the same thing. You can't describe awakening. Um, it's an indescribable state. Yeah. And, and thus, we, we, we're always going to think of, of awakening and healing um, 
through the filter and through the lens of where we are right now. And it's very easy to see um, ourselves through the filter of things are hard and difficult and scary and fearful and, and not good. And thus awakening or healing or resolution is like this other thing out there that I can't, I'm, I'm off. It's too far away. There's too much messiness. And just wanting to bring attention to that because the possibility of our healing of greater self-realization and, and awakening always happens almost right after these really tough times. It's, it's almost like through these tough times where we realize there's an immense amount of healing and beauty in relaxing where we are now and determining ourselves to not allow ourselves to be victimized. It, it's almost like the, the, the teachings and the healing that we're seeking aren't going to come magically at the end of the tunnel. It happens by really shifting our relationship to the process and not allowing ourselves to become invested in a fearful perception of the future. And I think a lot of the healing that happens for us during this time happens accidentally, like spontaneously, because we're not running away from the discomfort of being where we are right now. We're not running away from the discomfort of the unknown, mm. the discomfort of all the uncomfortable content that's arising. And, and that's just, it's just, there's something really wise and beautiful um, in just recognizing yeah, this is this is this is what this school life is about. Keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. And there are really hard moments, really hard days. And then keep on going, keep on going. I think everything that we're seeking is not in the future after this transit. Everything that we're seeking is right here, right now. And the teachings and the healing is right here, right now looking no further than what, how are we thinking of our life? Mm -hmm. Is it a helpful thought? Is it a useful thought? Is it helping us um, grow and heal and find power and choice and consciousness in our life right now? Or is it just kind of keeping us in this disempowered sure. doomsday victimized state? Yeah. So I just really wanted to offer that because it's going to be very easy next year to feel at times like it's just too hard. And I think that is one of the most precious times in our life where we are stronger than we realize. And the healing is just right there, just, just right here. And we don't even know it. Right. When you want to give up, that's when the, yeah, that's when yeah. it's, yeah. So we, we look for that and being aware of it, it'll help us meet that. Yeah. Thank you. It's just helpful to remember that in the midst of it. It's like, maybe this is not what I think it is. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Wow. So much to really, uh, I know we went way over, but hey, you know what? This is, it's okay. Um, yeah, I really, I feel that strongly. Um, there are so many evolutionary possibilities here. And um, yeah, it's just mind blown. I can't even think, <laughs> but that's a good thing. <laughs> but thank you. I, I'm just yeah. grateful for the time that thank you took the to, um, these beautifully nuanced descriptions of and and how important this is to um to have this with us like armor you know as we move through this time and this uh yeah you don't survive a pluto transit you just you just don't right. you, you, you evolve it. or you evolve later like in yeah. the end everything is a blessing it's either gonna be integrated sooner or it's gonna hurt for a while and you'll integrate it later really yeah. in the end yeah yeah. Well, it's going to have a happy ending, whether you're <laughs> one yeah. way or the can, other. And we can delay that happiness for a long time, too. We really, really can. We know that. But in the end, it's like if we're still here, there's there's still there's still happy endings to, to, to come. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Words of wisdom. All right. And so your uh, link, once again, your website. Arimosha.com, A-R-I-M-O-S-H-E. Uh, click on the link for the training program. Starts in January. Yay.
Yay, evolution. Oh, and I'll also have a talk. We can put it. Uh, oh, yeah. December... I'm giving an introductory talk to this. Yeah, December this 11th. Course, and I'm going to be talking about the very interesting topic of fate and um, fate and choice and the natal chart. And the That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. we can put the, the link for that too below. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much, Ari. It's just wonderful. Yeah, thank you so much, my friend. Again. Great to be with you. Really appreciate Yay. it. Thank you so very much. Okay, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. And if you um, like, share, subscribe, it's always we're always grateful for your support of the channel. And let us know what you think of this talk. We I love hearing from from everybody. And uh, yeah, lots lots of great rich. Um, I feel it's like volcan Pluto. I associate you know with volcanoes. This is like rich, fertile volcanic mm -hmm. soil. You know that we can grow with. So um, thank you for providing this beautiful volcanic soil. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, goodness. All right. All right, everybody. So uh, we will see you next time. Thank you again for listening. This is Irliana Samsara, Star Sound Speaks, starsoundastrology.com. Namaste.